Welcome to the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast, where we talk strength training, science, and all things performance for cyclists and triathletes, helping you be a stronger, more savvy athlete now and for many years to come. Here's your host, Menachem Brody. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 134 of the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast. Today we're going to do another short episode as I get back into the rhythm and cadence of podcasting once again after a little bit of a hiatus. We're going to talk today a little bit about end-of-season burnout. And while many people use this term loosely, just like they do uh, overtraining, this is actually really hard to get to the point of actual burnout. There's serious mental and physical fatigue, which we're going to talk about here uh, in brief. And the idea behind today's podcast episode is to give you a little bit of perspective, share with you what I've learned over my uh, 18 and a half, almost 19 years of uh, being a cyclist and a coaching cyclist and triathletes for the last 16 and a half to help you better gain direction, we'll say, as we come into Labor Day here in the U.S., the end of uh, August, the summer's coming to an end, because a lot of people uh, feel that they're quote-unquote burned out, but really, we're just missing some perspective on this. So let's dive into things right off the bat. Many of us like to think as the fall rolls around that we should be more excited for the cooler weather. We should uh, be looking forward to longer rides with friends. But truth be told, especially those of us who are competitive, as the middle and end of August comes around, we tend to feel heavy when it comes time to throw that leg over the top tube and get onto our bike. And this can be and is completely normal. We've spent a lot of hours on the bike even though we absolutely love it. For many of us, uh, the bike is a part of us. There just comes to be this point where we wake up in the morning and rather be excited to go out, to be a little bit cooler, or to go out in the evening uh, and to have that little bit of a more orange tinge to the sunset that just uh, lights your soul up and the leaves starting to change. We tend to think while we lie in bed, maybe I should just sleep a little bit longer. I'll, I'll go a little bit later or eh, maybe I'll go tonight, or eh. it's more of this hesitation or lack of excitement to get on the bike. And I've seen this every year that I've been a cycling coach. Uh, when I coached the White City Racing Team here in uh, uh, Tel Aviv over the years, the end of August, early September, uh, it was always a struggle to get enough riders to come for the skill sessions. I mean, it's always a struggle for that for a coach. Uh, and also to get people to come. There were a couple sessions I remember in late August where we had three or four riders show up out of uh, 20-something roster. Uh, usually we would have 12, 9, 15, and then all of a sudden 4, 3, 2, and even those who are helping run the team. You know, I'm not going to come today. I'm going to sleep in a little bit. And while we don't think of it as extreme fatigue, mental, physical, or otherwise, some people say, I'm just burned out from the bike. And really what this is, is our body telling us it's had enough. As we go through our sport, which is an endurance sport, and the same for triathlon, we use up a lot of our physical energy reserves. Now, what I'd like to do today is we're not going to get really deep. Again, this is a short episode with lots of 
points that I want you to critically think about how they apply to you rather than giving a, a deep dive in the hour uh, episodes. A lot of it has to do with decision fatigue that comes over decision after decision that we're making every single day, every single week throughout the season to get out and ride longer. The planning for the courses, the uh, dealing with the obstacles that come up, the flat tires, uh, the heat, having to change things, as well as the strain that it places on us mentally and physically. We use a lot of energy in our sport, and it can be really hard to support our bodies properly from a nutrition and rest and recovery standpoint, especially if you have a family, a significant other, a bustling social life, or you're just in the thick of it at work. And while it may seem like burnout, often what it comes down to is we just need to change things up. Now, Charles Duhigg talks about the mental fatigue that happens throughout the course of a day. Uh, I strongly recommend you pick up his book, The Power of Habit. It's absolutely fantastic. will give you a deeper insight into us as human beings. However, I want to extrapolate what he talks about in that book that relates to day-to-day decision fatigue and apply that to season-to-season or month-to-month decision fatigue. And this is where a lot of cyclists will go from road right now over to gravel or over to mountain biking. And they say, oh, the road has been nice, I just need to change it up. Well, what they don't realize is they've reached some either physical or decision fatigue, some mental fatigue, and they're looking for a different type of challenge because it needs to be freshened up. And this is completely normal and completely okay. However, what I've noticed the last couple of years, mostly since Corona, is a lot of riders put down and triathletes put down their bike or their running shoes for at least two to four weeks. Now, two weeks off from your sport can be really healthy. Uh, It gives the body and mind the time to deeply recover, which we don't normally get. Yet, this tends to be foo-fooed. Why haven't you ridden for the last week? You're losing fitness. All your power numbers are going to go down. Well, as Charlie Wigelius talks about in his book, Domestique, where he's sharing his Uh, experiences as a world pro tour rider on the liquid gas team in the early 2000s and late 90s, there is this deep, deep fatigue that reaches far beyond, you know, sleep it off and eat it off. It is just this immense overhanging sense of of lack of energy and desire to do much. Now, of course, he went and rode the grand tours. And in the context of the book, he was talking about first uh, how he felt going to his first Vuelta, Aspana, uh, and why it's what he feels to be the hardest of the Grand Tours. And he does a very nice job of talking about that. And then he talks about the off-season and how there were, you know, as he got further along in his career, he didn't even want to look at the bike, sometimes for up to a month at a time. And then at a certain point, he's like, well, I need to get back on the bike because this is what I do for a living. And if I don't ride it, I'm not going to have great shape, only to find that a good amount of his form came back relatively quickly. And I think that last part is overlooked. The more seasons that you have as a rider, where you've been riding 8, 9, 10, 11 months in a row, even very short rides, commuting during the winter or Zwift rides three or four days a week, your fitness can and should build over the course of years. And this is something that should allow you to feel guiltless about taking some time away from the bike. Go do other things. Try a little bit of run-walk intervals. Uh, If you're below the age of 30, maybe try very short runs. You know, half a mile here and then walking for a couple miles. Try rucking. 
fantastic exercise or hiking, fantastic exercises for cyclists and triathletes alike that will allow you to still get out, use your body in a different way, and explore nature like we like to do in our sport, but without the tax, the mental tax and the physical tax of getting out on the bike or out for a long run. Now let's turn and talk about a little bit, is it actual burnout? In the psychological sense, I am not a professional, so I can't say 100%, but from a coaching perspective, I think it depends on the rider. This is where you need to know yourself well. For me, yeah, the end of the season, I'm pretty much done. I would rather go ride my bike, not for sport. I'll take my power meter uh, unit head with me, uh, and I will put it in my back pocket, and I'll, and I'll just ride. Or I'll log on Strava just so I have some reference for what I actually did. But I don't actually look at the data. I choose a route that I'm going to enjoy. Usually it involves a bakery or some really good croissant or coffee. I will ride somewhere, stop for the croissant or coffee for a good half hour, 45 minutes, and then pedal nice and easy home, uh, usually with a route that's as few cars as possible. Now, if you think about it from a psychological standpoint, this has a lot of the flags, at least that I'm familiar with. And again, I'm not a psychologist, and this is not my area of expertise. But my understanding is that has a number of the flags for burnout. You're mentally burned out. You still enjoy the activity, or it's become a, such a part of your habit that you can't help but do it, but you are burned out. And in that case, we really need to find time away from our sport without guilt. And this is a big problem I've seen the last couple of years, again, since Corona, uh, with Strava and with uh, all of the platforms and people looking to share uh, how hard they are or how many, you know, uh, rule number nine, Villominati, whatever it may be. I really think uh, that the burnout rate for cyclists uh, tends to be fairly high in August, September. And what we really need is to be okay taking time away. And this falls into the basket. We've had Dr. Lisa Lewis here uh, as a guest. I think she's either the top or second most uh, recurring guest here because this is an area that I think is the next frontier, uh, the wild frontier for cyclists and endurance athletes is to look at that fatigue that comes from it. Now, the other side of this is those who compete and the challenge of travel, the challenge of signing up for competitions, uh, them not going the way you'd like them to. You know, we just had the Track World Junior Championships here, and that's a very big, big event for these riders. And we had, uh, I think, five riders competed in the competition for Israel. Uh, I work as the national strength coach for the national team here for the track cycling program. And uh, I can tell you these riders really enjoyed it, but there's also a lot of mental stress, especially when it's your home turf. You feel like you have to. And this is something I think a lot of us who race I say recreationally, but for our, ourselves, yeah, we're on a team, we're training, uh, we take it seriously, but really it's a recreational uh, racing. We're not getting paid to do it. We're not doing it for uh, a national program um, to develop ourselves, to become top, top professionals. There's a lot more stress and burnout from the mental side of things, having gone through all these competitions, and you really do need to take some time away from that side of the sport. And that's where uh, a couple of my riders go out and ride with their family. Uh, one in particular goes out and rides with his son and his wife. He's still competing. He's actually setting PRs here uh, this past weekend. Uh, lots of PRs. He's got uh, the state championships coming up in three weeks, which I'm very excited for because uh, we've worked on both the movement side, or actually all three, uh, the movement side, the breathing side, and the on-bike side. 
but most importantly, he gets it. You know, he's over 60 at this point in his uh, life cycle, and uh, he took a two and a half week break to go to a music festival and enjoy himself. And what we did is we said, cool, awesome. We're going to prioritize two short lifts, a third optional uh, strength training uh, a week, but go have fun, relax. And he's come back from that refreshed. Uh, We've added some more training stress on the bike, and he's seen some fantastic results thus far. And I do anticipate that he will uh, do very well uh, at the... uh, state championships and when i say very well i'm not talking about podium i'm talking about his lifetime all-time prs because he just smashed a couple of them this past weekend and you know what this comes down to is his knowing himself well enough to know i got to take a step away from the bike this is something that i'll enjoy with the family uh taking two weeks you know that also has to do with how he's working work cycle works but a lot of us as cyclists are afraid of that we're afraid of getting off the bike for july the Tour de France is going, there's a lot of motivation to ride. And what I find really interesting is that those riders uh, that I've known for many years who say, you know, the Tour de France is on, I really want to watch, I want to be a fan. Uh, When they come back to the bike, and they ride a little bit, but they go out more, they're like, oh, you know, I'm watching the Tour, but uh, I'm going to go for a ride a little bit later. It tends to turn from uh, power-based intervals and training to going to enjoyment and, and relishing how much fun it is to be a cyclist, to be able to go out and try and push yourself and your limits the same way you see the guys and gals on TV as professionals doing. And I think this is one of the things that we miss as cyclists in our sport, and that's fun. Now, I'm going to jump here, and this is a little bit of a, a, a big jump. I think that a lot of the enjoyment of our sport has been sucked out by the addition of power meters, the massive amount of information for training and and improving yourself that's available online, and also the social media uh, side of things and the ability to compare yourself, not just to those in your local area, but those around the world. Now, that also has a, a positive side in that it allows us to connect and push ourselves to achieve better in our solo riding on Zwift in the middle of the winter uh, or when our motivation is lowest, when it's frigid outside and we don't really want to get on the bike because we don't want to do the, the planting right now. You know, if you, if you want to sow, so shall you reap or you reap as ye shall sow. That type of approach can be very difficult, but is rewarded when we have this co- this competition that always goes on. But what we're missing here, and we've, we're starting to see the effects of this on teenagers with social media, is the constant barrage of things that allow us to compare ourselves to others. Even if we say we don't, it still affects us. It still come in. It's still a, a decision we need to make that puts us to this point of mental burnout. And I think that's one of the things that I would ask you, the listener, can you turn off your power meter or just put it up in your back pocket, put it up on the front, but only put your your cadence there uh, and maybe time and ignore the data? Can you just go ride? Hunter and Alan and I talked about this. Hunter Allen and I talked about this here at, uh, I think, episode 84, episode 85, a number of uh, episodes back about the myths common myths of training with power. And it was a fantastic episode. It's one of the the most listened to here, uh, myths in training with power. Um, Episode 83 back from uh, February, 2021. And uh, it was a really great 
piece. And a number of you reached out and said, you know, I'm going to try this. And I'm interested to hear from those of you who reached out. Has that changed how your, your riding goes this time of year? Because that could be one of the solutions. Rather than turning to gravel or rucking or walking, maybe it's just as simple as getting rid of the data and letting yourself to just ride your bike by feel. Uh, you know, recently I've been doing that. I posted uh, on Instagram a, a number of days ago. My son and I went to the uh, track uh, na junior national or excuse me, world championships here. Um, so I work with the national team here as the strength coach. Uh, and it's really exciting. And what I've been doing is just riding my single speed with my kiddo on the back. And I really have found uh, that enjoyment, that beginner's enjoyment for riding my bike again. And I would challenge you to do the same. Now, let's turn this. Uh, towards the end. And let me ask you a couple of questions here. Number one is how are you feeling at this point of the season? And be honest with yourself. Are you feeling tired? Do you feel excited most days to get on the bike? Do you feel like you're doing it out of habit? Because if you don't ride your bike, you feel like something's missing in your day? Or are you doing it because you're enjoying the process? If the answer is that you're not enjoying the process, or that you're doing it out of habit, I would push you to actually think about taking a break. Take a, a one to two week break from riding your bike. What? A cycling coach telling me to not ride my bike? Who is this guy? Well, if you want to get unusual results, uncommon results, you need to do things that are uncommon. This would be one of them. I'm not saying lay on the sofa and be a couch potato unless you're really exhausted and you find that you need that, in which case eat higher nutrient foods doesn't necessarily mean eating clean. You know, for me, the end of season in the years past meant a little bit more chocolate, a little bit more uh, some type of potato tri uh, crisp or potato chips, uh, just something that I felt the first day or two really helped me regain some balance. And then I slowly taper. And that would be the time I'd go out for a beer or a drink or a whiskey, you know, one night a week, which I really rarely would do any other time during the season just because alcohol has a, such an effect on me. Uh, I really feel it for two or three days after. But now's that time. Change your routine. Change that habit a little bit. It's kind of like taking a vacation. That's exactly what you're doing is you're taking a vacation from the habit that you've had every single day, uh, but keeping it within reason. Now, here's the other side of things is this is also the time that a lot of people think about strength training, but we don't want to just hang up the bike or add strength training in when we're riding ridiculously high volumes. For me, the fall is by far my favorite time to ride. I can go out, ride three, four, five hours, and I can come back and not feel completely wasted. The weather's a little bit cooler. I can get out in the early afternoon, uh, come back before sunset or at sunset, or go out in the uh, late afternoon and take a light and come back just you know, an hour or two after, uh, after dark. And it's absolutely wonderful. And it's so rejuvenating and refreshing. But going to the weight room and adding on top of these three to five hour rides is not going to help you. You're adding more physical stress. And as I discuss in my Stronger After 50 course, there is a limited amount of energy available for us as beings. It means that if you're going to add something, you have to decrease something because otherwise you're just adding stress. So this is the time of year where we would go through anatomical adaptations. And the anatomical adaptations get she-she'd by a lot of people because they say, oh, I'm in the weight room. I need to do weights. I need to do resistance. Well, for the first two to four weeks, most of us would be better served by going through an end of season unwind, we'll call it. 
that's what I titled the first of the six-part program that I'm just now starting to publish over on Training Peaks. Uh, it's a six-part strength training program for individuals over the age of 50, cyclists and triathletes. And the program is a year-long program, and the first month, the first four weeks, is called End of Season Unwind. And the reason I called it that is because when I say anatomical adaptations, a lot of people tend to glean over it. They're not really interested. I want to go to the weight room. But what's happened over the last six years, and that's where this program has originated from, is going through this end of season unwind, where each week we do a little bit more, we progress, we get a little bit more aggressive. What happens is that mental and physical fatigue starts to just melt off. And I really mean that. From week to week, you progress just a little bit, and you start to realize, wow, being on my bike so much is fun. I enjoyed it, but it really took a toll on my body. And now I really need to get things back to where they were. Oh, hey, I woke up today without that pain in my neck. Oh, what do you know? My knee feels better. Oh, it must be these exercises. Well, it's actually the exercises paired with dialing down the physical and mental stress of getting on your bike every day and allowing you to be able to refill your cup. And this is something that we all need to do. As much as we love our bikes and as much as we'd like to hit yearly mileage goals, what's really most important is that over the course of our careers as cyclists, as triathletes, as active individuals, that we're recognizing early on that we're burning out or we're really low on energy or our resiliency and grit are starting to taper off. There is definitely a time to double down and get the work done. Three, four, five weeks before your big race, you're gonna feel similar. A lot of it is the mental stress and the physical stress coming to a culmination, but you can see just over the horizon the whole reason you're working. Whereas now, this time of year to avoid that burnout, to avoid that fatigue, it really means that you've got to take a different approach. Allow yourself to take a break from riding, take a break from running, and break that day-to-day -day habit. Sleep in for two or three days. Get an extra hour or two of sleep. Have a glass of beer with your friends over lunch, if that's what you want to do. The idea is let your hair down a little bit, let yourself relax. Don't go too far, but give yourself a little bit of a mental and physical break. I'm confident that doing so, you will feel a little bit nervous at first, maybe very, <laughs> very, but as you go through, the apprehension will die off and you'll start to feel your energy stores and your excitement for riding your bike, running and swimming come back. It can have a huge boost for your entire year and really help you to have a much better base in the fall and allow you to just be more consistent in the winter when it's harder because you've allowed your cup to refill before it was completely empty and that goes a long long way now if you enjoyed this podcast which is a little bit more laid back than usual go ahead and hit subscribe and give us a rating over on itunes if you're interested in purchasing the Stronger After 50 Strength Training Program or the End of Season Unwind, I have the link here in the show notes, or you can head on over to Training Peaks and type in my name. Uh, you can type in my last name, Brody, B as in boy, R-O-D as in dog, I-E. The training plans are housed under other, the strength training plans. I'm not sure why, but uh, Training Peaks recently hasn't allowed me to upload as just strength. It's asking me to choose cycling, triathlon, swimming, or other. So they are under other. Uh, num they're numbered, by the way. Number one is end of season unwind. Number two is going to be base, an eight-week base. And number three is a 12-week strength and hypertrophy. Again, the program is built as a step-by-step. -step. You move from one to the next. There are three different
different tracks after the end of season unwind because everybody will go through the same unwind uh, in this program. Uh, if you like a personal program or you want to learn a lot more as you go along, I am opening up the Big Gear Blueprint for enrollment. We have uh, three, uh, two folks in there right now. A third will be joining us shortly because she is taking a break. Uh, one of our uh, longtime <laughs> uh, Big Gear Blueprintees uh, has taken the last month to travel uh, from Spain to the UK to relax. Uh, which I'm always happy to hear. So if you'd like to get a little bit more of a personal plan and have access to a live weekly call or a recording of the live weekly call where we dive into strength training, progression, answering your questions, uh, go ahead and email me, Brody, B as in boy, R-O-D as in dog, I-E at humanvortextraining.com. Otherwise, the Stronger After 50 program is up. There are three different tracks uh, after the end of season unwind. So steps two through six, you have the options of body weight and bands, bands and kettlebells, or kettlebells and barbells. So lots of different options for you there. You can check it out over on Training Peaks. Uh, the link is down in the show notes. So until next time, remember, train smarter, not harder, because it is all about you. That's it for this episode. Check out humanvortextraining.com for more great content and to keep learning. 